Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? Our lives! What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes! Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. What's up? What's up? It's the Nightcap. Here for a full two hours on WGR. 803-0550 to join in on the conversation. You can do it at any point, any time. We'll get you right on. We've kind of switched gears into football, so we're going to be continuing to drive forward with that today. Nine days away until the Bills are at St. John Fisher. Ten days away until they're on the field. I think a couple other teams open shortly before that. Still waiting on the Sabres. You know, if they want to toss their hat back in the ring of conversation here, they're welcome to do that, but you'll need to make a trade for that to happen. So, today the conversation a lot on the station, Mike Shope wrote about this on the website, was 8-8 eight and eight and the bare minimum. And that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight because... Not necessarily that conversation, but that it seems like we always have it. We always have it. And I want to talk about the opposite of that tonight. So, the bare minimum is kind of the norm around here, right? Every year it's, all right, what's the least, what's the the worst season they could have that you'd be okay with? What is the bare minimum that you'd be okay with? And that happens year after year after year after year. And you know what? Anyone else tired of that? Anyone else tired of never thinking about what the ceiling of the team is and never really thinking that it's gettable? Because I, you can think about it. You can go. You could be the most optimistic Bills fan around and say, "All right, they're going to go thirteen and three. They're going to go twelve and four. They're going to take down New England. They're going to be the ones to do it. Brady's going to hit the wall. Belichick's not going to know how to fix the team without Brady playing well. And there's your Bills opportunity. Win the AFC East, maybe. This is the time." But it just doesn't sound like a realistic conversation. So, 8030550, what is the ceiling? What is the most realistic ceiling for the Bills this year? Realistic. Keep in mind. Because I'm, uh, I'm a little tired of talking about what the bare minimum is. Because if they are hitting the bare minimum again, well... You know, to be honest, like if you're a Game of Thrones fan out there, you'll you'll get this reference. But... It feels like there is a wheel. This Bill's wheel that keeps going around and round and round, and different spokes are taking turns on top. Greg Williams, Mike Malarkey, Dick Duran, Chan, Rex. And they're all spokes on a wheel that keep going round and round and round and round, and we keep filling in. And McDermott, to me, for this to work, can't just be the guy who's not at the top of that wheel. He needs to break it. That's a Game of Thrones reference. If you're uh, if you're wondering why I brought that up, he need Sean McDermott needs to be the breaker of the wheel. Is what I'm saying. And that wheel is built on. All right, what's the least good thing that we're okay with? What is is an eight win season? Are we okay with that? Is a nine win season? Are we okay with that? 
I'm saying it's time to start talking about the ceiling. 803-0550 is the phone number. Um, we're going to hear from uh, Andy Hart in the second hour on the Patriots. Get a little scoop on them because I do want to spend some time on New England tonight. I, I don't care that it sounds crazy. And I don't care that Brady, until he retires, it seems he is just unstoppable. But you know what? I'm sitting here today. And I was sitting here last night, and I was going over what are the paths for the Bills to make the playoffs. And to me, wild card in this conference this season is going to be excruciatingly difficult. And you know what? New England? Yes. Until we see it, you can't really say without risking looking like an idiot that their time is over. But, If you were going to make an argument that their time was ever going to be nearing its end, this year you've got a couple of feathers in your cap. You've got Brady slowing down a tad. Like, he's a tad. He's not hitting the Peyton Manning wall, where Manning went from, like, best quarterback in the league to a year and a half later he was one of the worst quarterbacks in football. But, you know what? Brady's gone from the best quarterback in the league to, what, fourth or fifth? There's been a very slight drop-off, and the, the numbers will back that up. And then you have Gronk, and you have Brady's numbers with Gronk. And that's at least something to chew on. you got to give me something with New England, because I just cannot see the Bills making a wildcard spot this year unless they hit this ceiling that we're going to talk about. Bare minimum, it sounds like everyone's like 9-7, and seven. Eight and eight. That's the bare minimum you'd be okay with. Allen looking better than being in a playoff race right until the end. They're showing improvement. The defense is consistent, like it. Uh, it's consistent from last season, and that it's like really good. And there's reason to believe that next season is going to be the big jump. Right? That's the bare minimum. Because anything less than that, and maybe we're talking about the coach or GM if they win five or six games. But is that really okay? Are we really okay with that? What's the ceiling? What is it? To me, looking at how easy their schedule is, looking at what Josh Allen's potential is, even though I'm not a jo- I'm not the biggest Josh Allen fan in the world, I think he has a lot to work on. I don't think it's necessarily super likely he'll hit his ceiling, but I do acknowledge that his ceiling next to Patrick Mahomes is maybe the highest in the NFL right now. Like, who would be those guys? The the five quarterbacks in the league that I would say could be MVP caliber quarterbacks that are all young right now, that's like who? That's Mahomes, that's Watson, that's Mayfield, that's Allen, and maybe Wentz or Darnold. Like, I'd be struggling past that. Like, he's in that group. And if he does hit that ceiling, like Mahomes did last year, he doesn't have to throw 50 touchdowns, but he hits his own. That could be 35 touchdowns, another five uh, running. I don't know. Like, he is not, that's not completely unrealistic given what his skill set is. If he hits that, the Bills offense carries over from last year, remaining top 10, even top five in the league. Then, to me, you have reason to believe that this is an 11 or 12 win football team. Like, that scenario, I don't think is completely un. It's not completely impossible. Like, it's out there. And that's in addition to what their schedule looks like. I've mentioned this a lot before, but I think a major point of why their schedule is so easy this year is who they play quarterback-wise. It's not daunting at all. The only tough quarterbacks you play are Brady twice, Roethlisberger, and Mayfield and Wentz. To me, those are the only quarterbacks you play that scare me. You don't play Luck. You don't play Rodgers. You don't play Wilson. You don't play Mahomes. You don't play Deshaun. uh, You don't play Cam Newton. Matt Ryan. I feel like of the top 10 quarterbacks, the Bills maybe play two or three of them. Tops. That all being said, I don't think 12 wins is impossible. Unlikely, definitely. I don't get you, I'm not getting you wrong there. But when we're talking about floor versus 
the sky and where what that range is for the Bills this season, I think it's a pretty big range that they could fall into. So I want to know what you think about that. 803-0550 is the phone number. What's the best case scenario for the Bills this season uh, in terms of their record with everything else uh, factoring into it? Let's go to Eric and Grand Island to start the show. Eric, you're on the nightcap. How's it going? Hey, doing well. How are you doing tonight? Good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I really believe that the Bills have an easy chance of getting 11 wins this season. I think our schedule versus everyone else's schedule is definitely no problem at all. I think you look at the Patriots' schedule, they have to play the Chiefs, and we have to play Mm-hmm. Um, a terrible we get Denver, I think. Business. Yeah, and you know, I think we're going to start the season four and one easy. We have two games against New York, no problem. Bengals, Patriots, Week Four, that's going to be a stretch. But then we play the Titans, and we go into our bye week where we can face the Dolphins. Like we pay the Titans, and the Patriots have to play the Texans. They play the Chiefs, and we have to play the Broncos. Like we're winning those games up. Patriots don't have the division in the bag. I think 11 and 5 is definitely doable if not 12 and 4. So how convinced are you that they are ahead of the Jets because the Jets while they have their other f- f- uh faults like the the one thing they have that th- this is part of the reason I think that they get compared so often to the Bills it's not just we have Allen they have Darnold second year quarterbacks their schedule right next to the Bills is the easiest in the league. You have to look at the coaching, though. They have the 32nd ranked coach in the NFL according to ESPN. So, <laughs> and the poll came out. And we have an awesome coach at McDermott. We're, we're poised. All of our players are ready to go. They're still dealing with their locker room. Is Le'Veon Bell going to be happy if he doesn't get touches? Is Darnold going to be able to re- react to having Le'Veon Bell? I mean, I think they have a lot more to go uphill battle, and I think the Jets aren't even going to stand a chance against us. The Jets are going to finish 7-9 and nine at best. So the Bills definitely, I have no question, will finish at least second in the AFC East, if not first. Yeah, Eric, thanks for the call. I, I don't disagree with a lot of what you said. Um, like, I don't, I don't think that's completely unrealistic. I just, my holdup in the Bills-Jets comparison is I'm just not ready to, to, to crown Sean McDermott as a better coach than Adam Gase. Old googly, googly eyes over there in New York. Like, I get it. He's a bit aloof. He gets into it with people. But you know what? At the end of the day, don't we hear all the time it's a result-oriented business? Guys get fired and hired based on results. And, you know, looking at their coaching records, it's very similar. They both have one playoff appearance where they got beat down in the wild card. And other than that, it's like six, seven win seasons. So Gase has an extra year of that under his belt. And there is a difference there in the seemingly McDermott runs a tight ship. And maybe Gase is not that. But stylistically, maybe Gase makes up for it. That could be part of the reason that his team with the Miami Dolphins, with Matt Moore and Ryan Tannehill, was a playoff team a couple years ago. Like That was not nothing. Because those are not great quarterbacks. And they went to the playoffs. I still am not ready to anoint Sean McDermott as this team's franchise coach, if you want to label it that way. I have a lot of questions about, stylistically, what he represents. Defense first, running the football. And, to be fair, in his two and a half years, three years of being the Bills coach, he is swung and missed on almost every quarterback decision he has made. He really has. Putting Nathan Peterman in action, not once, but twice, by his own decision, is just awful. Let alone the fact that he was still on the roster and had opportunity to do it two other times. So he got into games on four separate occasions, two of which by, were by his own doing. And the other two, he was still partially at fault because he was still on the roster. That counts. That matters. Those were dreadful decisions at the most important position. And until Josh Allen really takes that leap forward and takes franchise quarterback by the horns, then why am I supposed to be set or sold that Sean McDermott knows what he's doing at quarterback. He could have the rest of it figured out. All of it. He could be 
the best locker room coach in the in the NFL. He could know he could have that defense top five every single year. He could have that team as one of the best rushing offenses in the league. How much does it all matter if he doesn't get quarterback right? Now, if they have done it here, and Bean's included on that, obviously, with Allen, but if they have done that here and the rest of that does come true, well, that's part of my thinking that, hey, the ceiling is high. But I'm not ready to say that I'm sold on that. Like That would be maybe my one of my biggest hiccups to getting there. And that's why I think today, if you had me pick their schedule, I'd have them about 8-8. Eight and eight. That's where I'd have them right now. Could they be two wins better than that? Sure. Could they be two wins two wins less than that? I think, sure. It's a big range here. 803 is the phone number. Let's go to Jonathan and Alden. What's up, Jonathan? You're on the nightcap. Hey, Joe. Um, yeah, yeah I, 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 agree, I agree with what you said. I, I Sean McDermott is a big question mark. He does a great job with game preparation, but but I do question a lot of his in-game decisions. So, uh, and I, I want to say, you mentioned the quarterbacks that we were playing. I want to say I do like Sam Darnold. I mean, we'll see if he takes the next step, but so far I do like Sam Darnold. I think I put him a little bit ahead of Allen. So, but my take, I mean, both of my take on the Bills is, pre, is pretty simple. I think we should be, if we go 9-7 and seven or better, I'll be happy. 8-8 eight and eight really depends on how it comes about. 7-9 or worse, then, yeah, it's time for Pagula to clean house and get some experience and try to turn the team around. Because if we go 7-9 or worse, something's gone really wrong. 8-8 eight and eight really depends on how it went. Yeah, to me, that like that's that's kind of the bare minimum conversation. It's 8-8 eight and eight or we're talking about new coaches again. Or we're talking about at least a coach on the hot seat. And, man, you just don't want to be back there. That wheel I was just talking about, the coaching wheel, that is that thing keeps spinning and spinning and spinning. If that happens again. But that's not unrealistic. Their win total is seven in Vegas. And I know people like to kind of make fun of like what the Vegas number is. Like, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, whatever. They've been pretty right on the Bills for darn near 15 years. They've had them at between six and seven and a half wins almost every season. And to be frank, that's what they've been. They've been a six, seven win team for 15 years. How many times did Dick Geron they go seven and nine? Like seven times? So, but when we're talking about ceiling, that when you're looking at their schedule, like that is really maybe the biggest part of it to me. Because while I think Allen is a very big ceiling, and why I think McDermott might be a good coach, but I'm not sold on him. I have a lot of questions about those two. And on a team, those are maybe the most two, on game days, those are maybe the most important two people on your team. And we still have question marks there. But the schedule, a little more sure. A little more sure. You play a lot of young quarterbacks, and you play a lot of average to below average teams. Like when you look at games that are winnable, and, that, and games that the Bills will, even if they're underdogs, like the line will be close. I would want to say every game on their schedule that will have a pretty close point spread, the number's like 14 or 13. Like I don't think, I think there'll be a big underdog at Cleveland on November 10th. I'm a big believer in the Browns. I just think there's too much talent there for that to go wrong. Um... I think you're probably a big underdog at Pittsburgh on December 15th. I think you're a huge underdog at New England on December 22nd, assuming their guys are playing in Week 16, which you know generally they are. And home New England, you're probably a big underdog too. That's probably it, though. That's four games. All right, so actually maybe 12. So 12 of your four, 16 games. The point spread's probably going to be fairly close. And if that's the case... There will be a reason for that. The Bills are going into the season thought of nationally as an average football team. And to me, it seems that the only difference in a lot of cases between an average football team, like a 7-9 football team, and a 10-win football team is a couple of bounces. So if you get those few bounces like they did a couple of years ago, okay, maybe we are talking about a playoff team. But this year, it will be harder than it was two years ago. To me, this year, 
unlike 2017, I think the Bills will have to earn it more than they did then. Like, they got breaks. You can't argue it. Having 10 men on the field in the biggest play of the game on the road in Atlanta early in the season and getting pretty lucky that it didn't blow up in your face, that was a break. Adam Venateri in the snow, missing a 20-some-yard field goal that would have ended your season. That was a break. Andy Dalton throwing a 47-yard strike. Was it 47? To Tyler Boyd that to get you in the playoffs. That was a break. This year, I don't think you can get those and assume that's going to get you there because those breaks usually only get you to nine wins. And you're lucky if they get you to ten. If you're not a great team, if you're not even a good team, that 2017 Bills team is average at best. They were. Sorry, but they were. And this year, if they're average at best and get their breaks, I'm not so sure that that's going to be enough because of how good the conference is setting up to be. There are three teams that I think you can fairly argue are playoff teams in the AFC North. I think there are easily two sure things in the AFC West to make the playoffs. I think you could argue any team in the AFC South is a playoff team. I wouldn't do it for the Titans, but I would for the other three, even the Jaguars. Their defense, if they take a step back, get anything anywhere near what they were two years ago, where they were a quarter away from the Super Bowl, well, they're that team, but now they have a respectable quarterback. You know, Foles is an elite. Foles isn't some superstar they brought in. He's certainly better than Blake Portals. So if their defense is anything close, that's playoff team. Why not? The Colts, they're everyone's darling right now for good reason. Texans. Watson is a star. There are so many teams that there are re- that there's reason to be optimistic for that I don't think the breaks are enough. I think they will have to be truly good this season. And to me, that's not really something they've been since 2004. 2004, they were a really good football team that just happened to get unlucky and missed the playoffs. 15 years ago. Since I think we've truly had a good Bills football team, so I don't know. Maybe that would maybe that would be enough if they were that to take down New England, given some of the question marks that they have coming into the year. But obviously, even me saying that, even couching it, is setting myself up to look like a like an idiot at the end of the season. But you never know. Eight hundred three hundred five fifty is the phone number. We'll take one call before we get to the break here. Let's go to Louie in Stony Creek. What's up, Louie? You're on the nightcap. Hey, how are you? I love your show, by the way. Thank you. Appreciate that. I've been. A, I was just talking to, uh, to a gentleman while I was on hold, waiting for you. And don't laugh at me when I say this, but I've been a big Bills fan since my early twenties. I'm not fifty-five, and I follow this team very religiously. Okay, and I'm telling you right now, everything I've seen and all the changes Brandon Bean has done, I strongly believe, barring major injury, this team will make a serious run of the AFC's title. This year, and I'm going to go on the limb and say this. And if I'm wrong, I'm going to call your show and say I was an idiot. But I'm telling you right now, if Josh Allen makes that next leap, which I strongly believe he will, because he's determined and he showed signs the last few weeks, I strongly believe this is the year that we we take the AFC's title away from New England. And I'm going to go on record on that. Thanks for the call, man. Hey, I'm glad you came right out and said it. I'm I'm getting. I'm not ever going to get to a point where I'm predicting it, but I might get to a point where I'm thinking about it more and more, and I'm kind of reading more about New England and some of these other teams, the AFC, and the more and more I do that, I find myself wanting to get closer to where you are. Not that the Bills will win the AFC East. I'm never going to say that until I see it, but... it might. I don't think it's crazy to say that the division is more likely than the wild card. I really don't. I know it's the Patriots, but if the Chargers and Chiefs are going to make it, which I just can't see that not happening, you have to be better than 10 legitimately good teams, or at least teams you have reason to be optimistic for. And you have to be better than all 10 of them, not 9, not 8, all 10. And that's tough. Any of those teams would be better than you. And we're talking about you not being a playoff team. The division, you just got to be better than New England. And that's, I shouldn't say just, you got to be better than New England. So I'm not there, but I like that you had the gall to come out and say it. I'll probably be talking to you at the end of the season when uh, New England wins the FCs, though. Let's go to Chad in South Buffalo. Chad, you're on the nightcap. How's it going? 
Good. How you doing, man? Good. Big fan of the show. Thanks. Uh, I just don't understand why you don't think the Bills can be a good team. I mean... No, I do think they can be a good team, but I'm not predicting it. Okay. They're obviously not proven, but we have every single tool um, to be a above-average team. I think our defense is going to be a top-ten defense again, without a doubt. Um, I think our offensive line changes our offense from last year. And if you look back at last year, if our offense has scored one or two touchdowns in a few games, that changes our record and adds maybe three wins. Um, I think with the additions at wide receiver and offensive line, that brings us those three wins. You know, you know what my holdup is? Like, I, I don't disagree with anything you're really saying here strongly because they did add a lot of guys that I think are better than who they had. But who did they add on offense that is truly great? Like, they tried to do it with Antonio Brown. But if I'm expecting a major improvement in the Bills' offense, don't I need some great players for that? And other than Josh Allen and Robert Foster, I don't know if I have a player on this offense that even has the potential of turning into a great player. I I agree with you, but Josh Allen, they gave him the tools. He's a great player. He was a... you know, a game changer last year with his running. And I think this year his passing is going to be involved. So I think it's more of the tools added for Josh Allen that are going to make him even better. Yeah, thanks for the call, Chad. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's crazy to think that he's going to be a great player. He certainly has the physical ability to do it. But there are just so many limitations that have held him back at Wyoming. And as a passer in his rookie season, like we glance over a lot of his deficiencies because of how great a runner he was. And, you know, that counts. I want to say that. That absolutely counts. The one thing I always hated that people would never give Tyrod credit for is they would bring up his numbers and they would bring up his passing touchdowns and his passing yards, and if you came back with him, okay, yeah, he had 20 touchdowns, but then he had five on the ground, and he had another 600 yards rushing. It's like, oh, that doesn't, we're talking about quarterback. I'm like, yeah, we're talking about quarterback. And I do want to say that counts for Allen, but the difference between those two is Allen's going to be held to a lot higher standard because Allen was picked seventh overall. Allen was, you traded the farm to get him, and not only the farm, you made like four or five trades to be able to land him. And then you passed on other young quarterbacks for him. So there was more to it. It's a higher standard with him. The running does count. But to me, he has to be more than that. Because if he's not, he's kind of just a different style looking Tyrod Taylor. And we don't want that. We moved on from him to be better. He was fine. Tyrod, we wanted better than fine. And Josh Allen was, a, was somebody who presented that opportunity. So, yes, I don't want to crap on anyone that wants to bring up he's going to be a star player because of his rushing. But there needs to be a lot more with his arm than there was last season on a consistent basis. And unless that happens, they're not going to be a great football team. 8030550 is the phone number. We'll continue taking your calls, read through some texts and tweets when we come back. If you want to get in on that way, 55550 is the text line at Sneaky Joe WGR on Twitter. I mentioned we'll hear from Andy Hart next hour on the Patriots, get a little more insight on them because I'm starting to think about them a little bit more. I don't want to completely just rule them out. I'm sick of ruling them out at the beginning of every year. And then we'll also hear from Brian Baldinger, who's done a lot of film on the Bills. He most recently did some film on Tremaine Edmonds who, by the way, is getting disrespected in Madden. I talked about the offense yesterday. I'm going to go over the defense today, and I'm going to do my Madden fixes for the Bills on defense. Offense, you know, there were a couple guys I, I changed yesterday. There's a lot on the Bills' defense. That they- Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. They need to change. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi. That's next here on WGR. I mean, you'd like to see him run less and throw more and throw at a higher percentage. 
And I think he's capable of doing that. I've seen a lot of quarterbacks go from 10 touchdowns to 12 interceptions in their first year when they're trying to figure everything out and they're trying to rebuild an offensive line. You know, they're not very good up front. Uh, going 18 and, and 80 the next year. I think you could see 18 to 20 touchdowns from Josh this year. If he just throws it more. I, I think, you know, there's a new offensive line coach, a new way of doing things. Deion Dawkins is going into his third year. They've upgraded the talent, I think, in some spots. I could see Josh making that leap in the pass game. Brian Baldinger, NFL Network, former Bill. I'm with One Bills Live earlier today. You'll hear more from him in the next hour if you stay tuned. Some good film analysis from him. That's on Josh Allen. He also had good stuff on Tremaine Edmonds. Um, So if you missed that, stay tuned because that's good stuff. And all of that kind of is encompassed in our conversation. Like Those are maybe the most two, not maybe, they almost definitely are, the two most important players to the Bills season next year and whether they're going to be really turned into a great team or not because, you know, how long are we going to sit here and wait for them to be good and then we can start talking about them being great. And maybe, you know what, maybe they just are one of those teams that just shoots up to great right away and doesn't take that pit stop along the way. Like Chicago. They get compared we're getting we're comparing them to the Bears all the time, I feel like. Part of that's Trubisky, part of that's how they built their team, and part of that's that their head coach also comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree. But maybe they don't have to do that. Because think about it. The Bears like they were very good last year, but I don't think you'd call them great. What is great? Great is like you're talking about them winning the Super Bowl. And to me, we never got there with the Bears last year. Part of that is their quarterback has limitations. Yeah, he was picked high, higher than Allen. But his physical liabilities, to me, will always hold him back from having that same type of potential that the Watsons and the Wentzes and the Mayfields and the Mahomes have. And that's where I would want to differentiate the Bills from the Bears. I think they're a good example of what's more likely to happen if this works here in Buffalo. It'll look like what the Bears look like. But I think there is more of a potential here than there was in Chicago for it to just explode. And suddenly, holy cow, look, Josh Allen's throwing 40 touchdown passes. Like, those are numbers I think we have to be talking about. The over-under number that we played earlier today... Daily Wager, ESPN, Mike Clay from ESPN, super good projector on on the NFL. They asked him over under 17.5 passing touchdowns for Josh Allen next season. He took the under. You know what? Fair. Fine. The Bills under Sean McDermott are last in the league in passing touchdowns. They're also last in the league in percentage of their touchdowns coming through the air. So why would you think Allen's going to light the world on fire? other than his physical abilities. But what they gave up to get him, like what does it have to look like for that pick to be worth it? What does it have to look like to call that pick a smashing success? Which I would want to think we're all going to get to a point where we're saying that about it. Like That's the goal. You don't even just want to hit on the quarterback there. You want to make... You want to be able to make fun of other fan bases and other teams because they passed on him for other guys. And what is that? That's 30 touchdowns on a consistent basis. Like That's what this has to look like to me. There needs to be a really high bar. There has to be. It has to be significantly higher than what Tyrod Taylor was and what Ryan Fitzpatrick was and what Trent Edwards was and what J.P. Lossman was, all of those guys. It has to be way higher than that. Way higher. And I think you'd want it to be, given what you gave up for this guy, to be higher than the Joe Flaccos of the world and the Andy Daltons and the Matthew Staffords even. No, maybe Matthew Stafford would be a nice bar to hit. But those other guys, the Jameis Winstons, the Marcus Mariotas, yeah, they're all right. We can, we can win some games with them as our starter. We can make the playoffs with them as our starter. But at the end of the day, what are we really talking about when those, are my, those guys are my quarterback? You have to do everything else perfect or you're not, not going to be any type of threat to win the Super Bowl. 
And isn't that the ultimate goal? Isn't that the ultimate goal? So, when everyone's out here saying, not everyone, but a lot of people are saying, I take Trubisky's season for Allen. I'm like, I'm sitting here, no way. I'm supposed to be wait. I'm supposed to be doing way better than that with this with this kid. Trubisky was a good game manager last year, who had a lot of rushing ability. Very similar to Alex Smith, which it seems like a lot of quarterbacks in the league are kind of looking like Alex Smith these days. Dak Prescott, um, Marcus Mariota, Trubisky, guys with limitations that they're still finding a way to be successful with them, but. That's not that's not what this quarterback is. So to me, I need to be doing better than that. His bar needs to be higher. And I wonder what would happen if he does fall in that middle of middle tier range. If he does fall somewhere like what Jay Cutler used to be or what Mariota is now or Winston, like good, but we pretty much know he's not great. And I would be interested to see what they would do with that. But here's the hope in that he's going to be a lot more than that. 803-0550 is the phone number. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi. 803-0550. We'll get into some more calls and some texts and tweets when we come back here on WGR. Well, all the talk is about Rasmus Ristolainen. And I just heard the price was very high around the draft. You know, the O'Reilly trade didn't work out well for them, so I think they're careful about, you know, trading somebody else who becomes a big piece in another place. Um, We've talked about the rumblings about him in Tampa Bay, but I think he's got him out there, and we'll see where it goes. There's one guy out there, and he just says this is his own opinion, not based on anything he heard, but he could see them targeting someone like Anthony Mantha from Detroit. Mm -hmm. No idea if Detroit's willing to do anything like that, but they could see that being the kind of player that Buffalo would target. You know, we'll see. But he's definitely out there, but I've heard the price is high. Mantha! Elliot Friedman on, uh, what is that, 31 Thoughts Podcast? Yeah? Mantha. Yeah, I think I want to do better than Mantha. He's all right. He's pretty good. Goal scorer, young, cheap. But I don't know. What am I trading Ristolainen for? Am I doing that? He's a 24-year-old winger, right winger, which fits, uh, I guess, if you care about that sort of thing. Um, because the Sabres have a million left-wingers. One less with Alex Nylander traded. Love that deal. 48 points in each of his last two seasons. Three full years in the NHL. 17 goals, 24 goals, 25 goals. All right. Hey, maybe there's a big fourth year coming like there was with Sam Reinhart. You know what? Actually, I think I would do that. Anthony Mantha for for Ristolainen. How much better should I really expect to do than that? That's better to me than, even if I think I'm getting a a slightly lesser player, which I think in this case, I think it's fair to expect or fair to say that they're pretty close, even though they play very different roles, obviously, in different positions. That's not, that to me, that's at least, if you've heard me at all on the Ristolainen, I think you'd know that the last thing in the world I want is the O'Reilly trade 2.0, where it's a bunch of pieces for him, for Risto. And that's not what this would be. This would be a hockey trade. One for one. Or maybe someone else is throwing a pick in somewhere along the way. Fine. Whatever. If the main piece coming back is almost as valuable as Ristolainen or even more valuable than Ristolainen, that is where I need to be with this situation. Otherwise, don't trade him. Mantha, you know what? That would suffice. Speaking of which, by the way, of defensemen. I completely forgot that my... My uh, my boyfriend, Zach Wierenski, who I am in love with as a player. I mean, I think he is going, next to Darlene, and maybe like another guy or two, he's going to be one of the best defensemen in the NHL for a decade in Columbus. Or maybe somewhere else. He's an RFA. He's still an RFA. And we're talking about all these offer sheet guys. Marner and Aho was talked about a bunch. He actually got offer sheeted and Braden Point and Line A and Kyle Connor and Matthew Kachuk and all these guys are still on the market. I have never heard anyone mention the name Zach Wierenski. Maybe that's for good reason. But man. I know I know you'd probably never get him, but I love the player so much I would take the shot and offer sheet him. Don't care what it costs. 
Almost don't care. 14 million. What does it take? What would Columbus not do? Now, here's the thing. They're not in any sort of uh, cap jail. That's maybe why they're never talked about in this respect, because they're going to do it. Um, but do you have to be in cap jail to do it? Remember, Edmonton took a shot at Vanek after they lost Breer and Drury. It's not like they were in a cap crunch. Maybe they were in a money crunch, but they were in a cap crunch. Um, and then here's Columbus. Hmm. $15 million in cap space, so they can afford it. They really don't have anyone else to sign. They'll probably need to get a starting goaltender along the way. They don't really have one right now. And I don't know I don't know where, what they're doing, what, like what spot they're in. Are they trying to be good? I guess they are. They signed Gustav Nyquist, who's a veteran. Um, so maybe they are trying to take one last shot at it with this core. But you'll have Dubois to sign next year. That's going to be a pretty penny. Josh Anderson's going to be a, a respectable contract. It'll never work. They will never let him go. I would do it anyway. Whatever he wants. The max? What's the max in the NHL? How come in the NBA you can give away all these max contracts and no one ever thinks to do in the NHL? How come? You're getting a guaranteed star player. I'd rather do that than pay $6-7 million to a guy who might hit the wall in two years. This is just me really wanting Zach Wierenski because I love him as a player. That's all this is, really. Four first-round picks, done. $15 million, done. Do it. Don't care. Love it. My blue line's going to be the best in the league for 10 years. With Wierenski and Darlene. You ain't scoring anything on those guys. Anyways, we'll bring it back to the real world in hour number two. Get back into the Bills a little bit. More specifically, the defensive Madden ratings. I broke down the offensive Madden ratings yesterday for the Bills. And they were disrespected a little bit on offense. They were disrespected a whole lot on defense. Some outrageous ratings for the Bills in Madden 20 on defense. I'll break that down and I'll give you my fixes for uh, each player's overall that I got a problem with when we come back. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi, 803-0550 is the phone number if you want to get on the conversation here on WGR. WGR. Uh, give me the offensive lineman for the Packers who was last introduced during pregame introductions. Kramer. Not as incorrect. That's a good guess, Kramer, because, you know, he was on that line. So it's not Kramer and it's not Forrest Gregg. And it's not Thurston. So there's only a couple more. Time to relax and rewind. Rick, the final Packer offensive lineman announced during pregame introductions in Super Bowl One. Howard Simon. No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's not it. One more. It's not Kramer. It is not Bill Curry. It is not... Howard Simon. Um... Forrest Gregg. No, I said it's not Forrest, damn it! It's not Forrest Gregg! It is not Kramer! It it's is the not... best of WGR. This is the garbage you give me! Zach, who's the lineman? And I'm going to say Bill Curry. No, I just said it wasn't Bill Curry, damn it! The Nightcap on WGR. Sports Radio 550. Yay! Yay! <laughs> we, uh... I don't know if it was the bosses or someone in the higher ups. Someone didn't want to. Someone was done listening to Don Cherry rap there, which I can get. Sorry, right. we have we have computer issues once in a while. No sweat. It happens. <laughs> Just like that would have been the open though. That would have someone have been like, you know what? End it. It's over. Can't do it anymore. Don Cherry rapping about Steve Eiserman. Just <laughs> no thanks. We're back. It's the nightcap. We're going to hear from Brian Baldinger in a few minutes here. Some film analysis on Allen and Tremaine Edmonds, mostly. And uh, you know what? If you heard me yesterday, I kind of went on a bit of a rant talking about Madden. And I'm a big Madden player. At least I was last season. I kind of take turns between different games. Like next year will probably be an NHL year for me. Maybe I'll get Madden too. We'll see. But I don't really play enough to warrant buying three games and spending enough money to make it worth it on three games like that. So I take turns. I go Madden, then NHL, and FIFA. It's kind of a three-year rotation for me. And last year was a Madden year. And if you heard me on Allen, that was probably the biggest takeaway, I thought, from the offensive side of the football for the Bills in the in the rating release is that they had Allen at a 74, which is exactly what he left off at last season, which to me basically just says, you know what, they think he's going to be, or they're, they're going to have him in the game uh, pretty similar to what he was, which was very fun to play with and also very frustrating. 
You'll be rolling to your right. He has the highest throw power in the game, by the way, 99. Allen will be rolling to his right, and you can throw it 60 yards down the field. It'll be a touchdown. The next play, he'll drop back into a clean pocket, throw to an open guy over the middle, 5 yards, 10 yards down the field, and it'll go sailing over his head. Which, you know, I guess isn't too far away from the real thing, but that's going to be what you get to start with Josh Allen. The defense. Holy cow, Madden with the defense for the Bills. I mean, the offense I get. One of the worst in the league. They added some good players, but they didn't really add any great players, I think it's fair to say. But the defense, number two in the league. Star players. Noteworthy guys that people have heard of. Come on. So here's my Madden rating fixes for the ratings release they did yesterday and on the Bills' defense, specifically on the Bills' defense. Starting with defensive end. Jerry Hughes as an 83. Need to bump that up. Pro Football Focus had him as one of the most efficient pass rushers in the league last year in quarterback hurries, quarterback pressures, etc. And just because the sack number wasn't high didn't really tell the whole story of how good Jerry Hughes was last year. And to be honest, look at how many times he's double-teamed. His double-team percentage is really up there. And part of that is the other side of the football, or the other side of the defensive line, Shaq Loss and Trent Murphy, don't really warrant paying that much attention to. So, Hughes getting double-teams. 83, way too low. I don't need him being in the 90s. I don't need you even think thinking he's a top-10 guy. But get him higher than that. 87, 88... I'm putting Jerry Hughes at 80, 88, I guess. The rest of the defensive line, fine. Shaq Lawson, Trent Murphy, I don't have a problem with that. Actually, that's not true. Defensive tackle, I do have one major problem. At Oliver, it's 79. Fine. That's actually second among rookies. Actually, pretty good. Star Latule, 74. I am not a big fan of Star Latule as a player. I think his role is being phased out in the NFL, and I'm fine with that. Harrison Phillips, 74. Fine. Jordan Phillips at 60. Five is an outrage of the highest order. 65 is terrible. That's a joke. What we saw from Jordan Phillips last year was an athletic defensive tackle, big body that could supply pressure up the middle, and that's 65 rating. I'm putting that at a 75. I'm not going to lie. I think he's the second best defensive tackle on this team today, and that's if Ed Oliver is uh, what he's supposed to be, which he should be, so I don't have any reason to doubt that, but... Jordan Phillips, man. I was very happy to see they brought him back. 65 overall is is a joke for uh, Madden to give him that. Next, we go to linebacker. Lorenzo Alexander at 82. I'm okay with that. Tremaine Edmonds at 74. That one's iffy. I mean, he was a 75 last game. They thought he took a step back. I don't know about that. I would have had him only a little bit higher, maybe 76, 77. I'm not sold on him yet. Um, I thought he struggled at times last year. Great last month of the season, though. He was rookie of the month, I think, and uh, defensive rookie of the month in December. He had a great end of the season. Reason to believe there's improvement there. He should have been higher. Not way higher. Other rookie linebackers certainly surpassed him, like Darius Leonard, Leighton Vander Esch, and then you had Roquan Smith before that. But it's not like Edmonds was terrible. He wasn't as good as those guys, but he wasn't terrible. So I would have had some slight up improvement for him. 77 for uh, Tremaine Edmonds for me. Matt Milano at 77. That guy is one of the underrated linebackers in the league today. We had Jesse Winker, Reds outfielder. The Reds, Major League Baseball. They asked him about the Bills. He mentioned Josh Allen, and then immediately after, he mentions Matt Milano. This guy is one of the better cover linebackers, up-and-coming cover linebackers in the league, and a 77 is too low. I don't need him to be a superstar in the game, but give me something in the low 80s. I'm going to put Matt Milano at an 83, um, right around what Lorenzo Alexander is today. Way underrated were the Bills linebackers in this game. The defense, I think the overall message you'll get here is they're good in the game, but they are not good enough. They should be way better. And the next fix that I have for the Madden ratings on the Bills defense is the biggest crime of them all. You all voted on my Twitter yesterday on who the biggest rating crime was, and you all voted for this guy, or at least majority of you did. Tredavis White at 85 is a slap in the face. 
Not just because it's only an 85. It ranks 21st in the game among cornerbacks. If you think, anybody thinks, that there are 20 cornerbacks in football better than Tredavis White, you are kidding yourself. I think he's closer to number one. Stephon Gilmore is number two in the game. Like Richard Sherman, who's kind of slowed down, is number three. I would have had at White in the top five. So maybe this is me being biased, but I don't think so. I think maybe I'm just watching more of him than these guys are. And I think we all are. Tredavis White should have been a 95 in this game. I'm bumping him up 10. You heard me. A star corner in the league, and he's not getting the respect for it. You know what? I, I kind of get it. Think about Stephon Gilmore for this, actually. Gilmore here was very good. Wasn't a star by any means. Most casual football fans probably never heard of him. He goes to New England. He gets on primetime TV all the time. He plays in playoff games. He plays in the Super Bowl. And suddenly he's a star corner. So part of that can be where White has played and the fact that the Bills have not been a great team. And also part of it is that he's just not on primetime TV that much. So as, if the Bills get good, I bet Trey Davis White becomes a bigger star and he'll get more of the respect that he definitely deserves. One more fix I have. Uh, Micah Hyde at 86 I think is okay. Maybe I would have liked him a little higher, but I'm fine with 86. Jordan Poyer at 80 is too low. I think the difference between him and Micah Hyde, I think Hyde is better, but I don't think it's six overall points better. I would have had Poyer higher. 85 would have been my vote for him. I think he's a really good safety. 80 is kind of average. It's a slightly above average safety. I think Poyer is better than that. And part of the reason I think Hyde might be get more respect in the game, and probably does nationally, which he definitely does, just you can look at the Pro Bowl for that, the Pro Bowl voting. Um, part of that maybe is Hyde came to Buffalo already having a resume. He was already a productive player in Green Bay. Poyer didn't have that. Poyer came from Cleveland where he really didn't do much of anything. So to me, that might be part of it, but Poyer should have been higher. 85 overall would have been my vote for him. Anyways, if you want to read my entire thoughts on the Madden ratings release, specifically on the Bills, you can read that at WGR550.com. Promise Brian Baldinger we'll get into some more film analysis, some more real-life football here. Uh, mostly on Tremaine Edmonds, who I just mentioned a little bit there, and also Josh Allen and his progress into year number two. Here is Brian Baldinger from NFL Network on with One Bills Live earlier today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 